nerds, this is Nicole Desay, and welcome to Talent Tales, the show where I interview leaders who have brought design thinking to their talent and HR practices. In today's episode, we have a special guest on the show. I'm joined by Jennifer Dewey, who is a global talent management leader at BASF Colors and Effects. Welcome, Jennifer. Hello. Hi, everyone. Hi. So, Jennifer, who are you and what's your story? Oh, this is tough to answer in a short <laughs> amount of time, but so I'm right now working at uh, BASF for 11 years now, um, but I started as um, really a social worker, um, graduating college in social work, and this is like a prime field, I think, to train for HR. So going into um, kind of a caseworker capacity in working for the state, I had very little resources, very lean team, and had to provide a lot of emergency assistance to people. So I was just problem solving all day with a little um, kind of things at my fingertips. So I was always kind of digging for new solutions or creative ways to do things to, to solve people's problems. Um, but it was a high st stress job with not a lot of um, support. Um, so I didn't get a ton of development or even like manager support. It was very difficult, I think, as a student, like right out of college. So I started interviewing my friends about what other jobs existed that I could still work with people, still problem solve, but maybe maybe have a computer that was a little bit more updated or, you know, manager support or development, um, you know, ways to keep improving myself. So I kind of stumbled into HR and took a job in, um, you know, as an HR recruiting coordinator kind of starting at the bottom and worked myself way up um, in a lot of different topics, areas, geographies. I'm always up for a new challenge in HR. So I've been able to work in lots of different topics um, in a global capacity, regional capacity. Um, I've worked in six different locations, including in Asia, um, as well as a, across kind of the US and um, supported manufacturing, business, kind of everything in HR. And, and it's brought a lot of new challenges to me, opportunities, and it continued giving me new perspectives on how people experience work um, and what things HR can bring to help people have more positive experiences and really kind of live up to their potential. Um, so that's what I've been trying to do um, over the last I guess like 13 or 14 years in HR. Um, that seems to have gone by like yesterday I just started, but it has been 14 years. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about me. Um, and now I work in um, Colors and Effects, which is a legal um, entity of BASF. Um, we kind of cut, um, this group out from BASF to try to build some freedom, support our customers in a different way, but we're now going through a divestiture to another company. So it's an exciting time, um, a little uncertain right now, but it's also given me really good landscape to practice some of my design thinking skills. Yeah, and we'll talk more about that. That's certainly a super impressive career. And I found it interesting because really some of the design thinking mindset I heard from you really started already when you were in college, when you said I interviewed others about or mm -hmm. other careers, right? That's really the mindset of a design thinker. So I find that interesting that probably even before you knew what it was, you applied some really, you know, smart research mm -hmm. techniques there. So, and then, yeah, now, um, I mean, we all live in an environment of uncertainty right now, certainly business uncertainty. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
agility sort of mindsets and tools become super important. So yeah, well, we are really excited to hear more about how you apply that in this context in a little mm -hmm. bit. So we'll talk about that in a second. Okay. But first, um, a question I ask everybody, and everybody usually really, really likes that question or the answer <laughs> to that question is, <laughs> what's your creative superpower? So I think mine is, and I'll show it up on the screen, mm -hmm. is flexibility. Mm -hmm. um, and this is more, um, you know, not... Yoga moves? Yeah, I don't know if I can do this move as well as my stick figure, but I think in my mind, um, I've always been really flexible as far as my approaches to things, um, which I think is different for HR uh, practitioners usually, because I think we're, we're trained to be very consistent, um, to build policies and procedures that, you know, you can apply to almost everyone. Um, but I've always kind of taken more of this flexible approach which has done, I think is really useful, especially in the changing environment that we're in, where things are constantly changing. You have employees that span from, I think, 18 years old to in their 70s. Um, you have different types of client groups you're supporting, manufacturing sites, business, global um, aspects as well. So there really isn't this one size fits all type of approach. So I've been very flexible both in my own career. Um, my husband probably would say, maybe be too flexible to you know move to Hong Kong or Germany or Michigan even um, but um, you know I've always tried to use flexibility and not be stuck in one mindset and be open to new approaches or new ways of doing things and I think it's helped me be really um, uh, kind of have impactful results and listen and find out what the needs are to get to the you know a solution that might work for people. Has that always come easily to you or is, is that a muscle that you've honed over time? And if yes, how yeah, maybe do you have some tips for others who are trying to become more flexible in HR? So I think I've come in and out of this. <laughs> My natural approach is to be flexible, but as I was trained in HR, it's, you know, consistency, you know, all the time. So I really had to kind of build um, a good balance between these. How can we be fair and balanced in our approach, but also, you know, look at the unique circumstances that people are in. Um, so I think it's um, something you kind of, you can't just be changing your mind every five minutes <laughs> because employees will get very confused or managed, but I think you need to be aware, you know, you have room to be flexible and creative and try new things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So tell us a little bit about how you discovered design thinking and how you've applied it at BASF Colors and Effects. So this is one of my like late night Google searches. <laughs> um, I had this problem I felt with employee development at Colors and Effects because we were going through so many changes. So we carved out from BASF, we reorganized a couple times to make our organization global. We had um, kind of changed the mindsets of employees to be more entrepreneurial and faster in their decision making. Then we announced that we were going to be sold um, and divest and then we found out who our new owner is. And all of this is going on in the context of normal day-to-day -day employee life. Um, so, you know, I looked at our employee development model, which is very static, I would say, um, and it just didn't fit for what we were going on. Um, we didn't know what the next day would bring, actually, or what careers, um, you know, would be part of the new organization. We continually keep changing what 
work looks like, I think. Um, and then there was a lot of just factors like technology that are, are coming into play and jobs are changing because of that or our structures becoming flatter. So there's not these leadership opportunities. So all these things were happening and it just seemed like employee development in our normal way of doing it didn't seem like it was um, had enough like flexibility in there for everybody um, to use it in a really practical way or um, beneficial way to them. So I was looking for new ways to kind of use um, employee development or different models that would kind of adapt to all the different situations employees are in and then also what the organization or the market's also going through. And that's kind of how I stumbled across your website, I think, <laughs> and started listening to different things you were doing. Um, and I I think you recommended the book, you know, around designing your life. Um, and I read that and I was like, okay, this actually makes a lot more sense in kind of building different ways of modeling your life or a lot of different alternative paths. Um, and this kind of made me feel better in my career, but also I think gave me kind of some good ideas on how maybe I could present this to the organization um, in a different way that would be more usable for people. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that um, your entry into this was the career development venue. You know, sometimes yep. it's for some people, it's employee experience. For some people, it's um, working more agile ways or in this uncertain environment, well, which you kind of married with career development, right? Because yep. there isn't a certain path anymore, really. Um, and how, but it's starting from the employee's mindset and really giving them the tools versus starting with HR first. So I mm -hmm. see different approaches and I thought that was interesting that you went the employee way first. So um, yeah, so Designing Your Life is, is the name of the book. Yeah, somebody put it in there uh, in the chat. And that's a good segue by the way too. So we spent the last 10 to five minutes answering your questions. So please mm -hmm. feel free to put them in the chat as we go and then we'll pick them up at the end. So um, use that angle. Um, so tell us a little bit about, people are always curious about barriers. You know, mm -hmm. when you brought this to the organization, uh, what barriers did you encounter and how did you overcome them? So, I mean, we're at the beginning of this journey. I mean, yeah. we've done a few classes now. Um, I brought the approach um, kind of globally to the organization. We also somehow linked Working Out Loud, which is another book um, that Nicole had suggested, um, which also was really relevant to people because as we're going through these changes, how do you make yourself visible and kind of connect with people um, and let people know what you're doing was also a really relevant topic. Um, but I would say Say design thinking in such a scientific type of community um, doesn't have like the greatest reputation. Um, so mm -hmm. our scientists and our engineers are used to using very analytical ways of thinking uh, where there's an equation to everything. Um, but design thinking is really- I'm just laughing, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's funny. I know this from every HR topic. Well, no matter what it is, they, uh, my managers would prefer an employee use an equation to get there. Um, awesome. So unfortunately, humans have no equation, I think. Mm -hmm. So this is why design thinking tries to approach things in a really different way. Um, and so I got a little, you know, crazy looks when I was presenting this. Um, one of the biggest challenges was mind mapping, which was something, you know, that was presented in, in our class um, around their career by Nicole. Um, and I also did this in a class and people really struggled with 
purpose because I think it's totally opposite to like analytical types of thinking where you're just opening up your mind to any type of word that might pop in and then trying to work backwards to make it make sense. Um, so it was a real struggle, but I think it was a good struggle for people. It kind of challenged them to think outside this normal box that they consistently work in um, and think for really, uh, you know, creative ideas um, to get themselves maybe unstuck or to think about things in a different way. Mm -hmm. I love that. So, so many things to unpack here. So one is, and I, I think the way we try to frame it for the more uh, scientific community is, you know, you, you have an approach to R&D, you have an approach to how you do sales, how you run the business, but yet we don't have a structured approach when it comes to our career. Why not? Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So this is, and this is, it might be, you know, soft science, mm -hmm. right? Uh, there's a lot of actually research and science around how this works so there is a body of knowledge but for the heart science people <laughs> that mm -hmm. might still be challenging but I think that's how we try to frame it for them right so you have these processes for for what you do in your job why not have one for your career as well right mm -hmm. so I think that's one of the things we did and then um, I love how you share the example of mind mapping uh, and how hard that was for them do you have any how did you overcome that you know and sometimes discomfort is the best way to learn, mm -hmm. right? The, once you go through it and you actually overcome it, this is really what sticks with you. And you, you know, uh, if you keep an open mind, um, do you have any tips or techniques how you help them get through this initial unfamiliarity with, with, the, with the map? So I had to really go around and kind of coach people um, on how to look at things because they maybe got to the point where they had all these words laid out, but nothing made sense to them from there. So I was able to kind of have a conversation with people and try to, to talk them through maybe how things could be like linked together. Mm -hmm. Or um, I had a few people pair up maybe earlier than normal and just start kind of talking through those concepts. Um, and getting some ideas and then through that having someone else's view they were able to kind of get to the next step mm -hmm. um but it was definitely uncomfortable for me and that <laughs> and i was just kind of you know being with them in that uncomfort uh, mm -hmm. you know in that uncomfort with them and trying to kind of walk them through like how can they make something out of these ideas mm -hmm. um yeah and then you mentioned also the other uh, approach we marry sort of together is the working out loud method mm -hmm. and um I think what we found is that they really go well together because in the designing your life approach, one of the key principles is that you actually enlist others in helping you think through your career options. Mm -hmm. And working out loud is a method that then encourages you to even share this more, you know, in, in more public forums even and, and continue to use it and gives you very concrete tools. Um, and we sort of had a sort of a side conversation and I actually interviewed Katharina Krenz last month at Bosch who is creating sort of a movement around that in Germany and we had sort mm -hmm. of a sidebar conversation mm -hmm. around that it seems to really resonate in Germany for some mm -hmm. reason um, you know this whole learning out loud um, concept but I think it applies to everybody mm -hmm. um, so again put your questions in the chat that you have for Jen and we'll, we'll address them later on but so I know you're still fairly early in your journey here but maybe so far you've already kind of seen impact or, you know, what have you noticed after having introduced human-centered design into your organization? 
So, I mean, immediately people take out of some of these workshops action steps. So um, managers right after our first session that we did decided, okay, well, we're going to help employees get to the first step and start initiating lunches, um, you know, with employees, not our direct employees, but any employee, you know, in this location. So we're going to help them do that first interviewing kind of step and, and actually set up the lunch. So I think we've had like 40 or 50 lunches at this point. So a group of like 12 managers got together, split up the list of employees in our location, and we just started taking them to lunch um, and asking them about their career or what they're doing. Um, how they're feeling about like the organization at this point. Um, and I think the leaders learned a lot from that. And then also, you know, employees really liked, I mean, it was a bit awkward at first, but after the awkwardness of it, I think people really liked the idea that leaders took this initiation. Mm -hmm. um, and from there, we've been recruiting new leaders to do this um, and just expanding kind of the networks of everyone. Mm -hmm. um, and that was completely initiated by the, the participants of the session and they've been running this. So um, that's an even more <laughs> great impact for me that it, it wasn't me that really had to initiate those topics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's um, awesome. Awesome. And just to backtrack for everybody, sure. so we did two um, separate sessions. So we mm -hmm. had one for employees and then for one for leaders. And that's what Jen is referencing out of the leader workshop. Um, that's the actions they came up with during that workshop. So that, that's fairly impressive. And so did that, so can that resulted in A, in um, buy-in from the leaders. You mm -hmm. know, what is my role in helping employees to uh, design their career? And then secondly, um, did, do you feel it has improved engagement with employees because they see leaders care or what are yeah. sort of the, what, what I think see? definitely. Um, I think it also expanded who they know. I mean, people only kind of know their team. And so mm -hmm. this was completely cross-functional, like lab leaders taking sales people out or, you know, customer service leader taking the lab people. So it expanded, you know, their networks. Um, and yeah, I think it got a really good, um, the employees had a great impression from the leaders taking the initiative to do this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cool. Um, so tell us a little bit about what's your favorite design thinking resource or hack? Yeah, so I mean, I think it's just a mindset, really. I couldn't think of like one specific thing that I do, but there's so mm -hmm. many things in HR that we talk about changing or making better. And I think we always take it from either our perspective or maybe the manager's perspective. But this idea of co-creating things with employees, I think really is important mm -hmm. um, coming out of design thinking, especially for HR type um, topics. Because we're always working with the employee and we're making their experience either you know, better or changing something. And if we don't have the employees in the beginning of the process, like co-creating things with us, I think we miss a lot. Um, and we're just only taking it from our perspective. So I think this is one thing I've got out of that. Every time now we talk about something, um, we're going to change or do differently. I'm like, well, what do the employees think? What, like, why don't we run a couple of focus groups and get some more ideas? Because I think we need to be more open to kind of critique and um, also just getting ideas um, outside of our own kind of world. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, co-creation is such a powerful way of really doing change management differently. I always say like change management, it's so yesterday because, mm -hmm. you know, traditionally we push things out to people at the very end and mm -hmm. then we're surprised that they're not ad adopting it instead of bringing them in 
on the front end, which mm-hmm. this is with co-creation. And also the other example, the employees, but then also the leaders, mm-hmm. same thing, right? Yep. We can push out leadership development and you should be doing this with your people. And they're like, well, why do you tell me all the time what I have to do as a leader, right? Exactly. Where if we bring them in on the front end, they're actually part of, oh, you know, I see what they need and what is my role and what can I do? So it's much more powerful journey in terms of change management and stakeholder management as well. Mm-hmm. So I love that. Um, so in summary, what tips do you have for those who want to get started with human-centered design and or applying it to career development? So I think a lot of HR topics are prime for innovation. Um, I think it's changing. It's like a very exciting time right now. HR is changing from, you know, these administrative process-driven topics to culture and talent and, you know, thinking more about humans and how they experience the workplace. So I think there's a lot of opportunity to get out and start just changing the way we create these processes or looking at things from that we're already doing and been doing forever and kind of getting some new ideas in there, whether it's performance management or interviewing, onboarding, all of these topics, I think, affect tons of people. And so kind of looking at things from maybe the ground up and starting to get some more um, ideas, looking at really what works well, what doesn't, being open to the critique of employees, of what they're experiencing, and um, trying to more co-create these types of things. Um, But starting small, I think this is another really big point of design thinking. It doesn't have to be this huge initiative. Mm -hmm. Um, With some of the things I'm working on, they're not huge initiatives. (laughs) They're very small, but I almost feel like this grassroots kind of mentality helps the um, cause. You know, people get stuck on it and then they really believe in it and bring it back to the organization. So it kind of happens in a more organic way instead of HR or leadership forcing stuff something down so I think trying small things you see a problem um, and you want to work on it you know try if you know get some input try a few small things and see what works Um, get feedback after that and maybe you do something a little bit bigger next time but I think you have to try things and get out there and get the feedback um, and be open to critique or feedback the entire way um, in order to kind of make a a big change in some of these areas. And so you mentioned the word critique a lot, critique or feedback, that sometimes can be humbling, right? Mm -hmm. So you've developed in HR all these, what you think are great processes or programs, you might be quite proud of them, right? And maybe rightfully so. And then to put yourself out there, to ask for critique is quite a vulnerable Mm -hmm. sort of way to approach this. Um, What are your tips around that? How might you get started so you feel all safer doing it initially. Well, don't start with something huge. <laughs> start with mm-hmm. something small, I think. Mm-hmm. It's a lot safer if you have a group of five people giving you feedback. Um, and I think this is really hard, and I struggle with it all the time because mm-hmm. I'm a person who puts like all my heart into my programs and I'm really emotionally attached to anything I I put out to the organization. So Mm -hmm. to come back and get feedback or critique on it is challenging. And sometimes I really don't want to hear it, but I have to because in order for things to continuously get better or to impact people in a different way, I need to hear what they think. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, 
doing a lot of surveys, you know, anonymous feedback sometimes is good, but just having a few people you trust, you know, like that are really your advocates, maybe people on this call um, that you really uh, like respect their opinion and they know they're doing it in a kind way, you mm -hmm. know, letting them be the first people to go through a program mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, or an idea and then getting their feedback. And then when you do it a little bit bigger, then maybe you, you know, already have a lot of good input um, going mm -hmm. into the next stage of things. Mm -hmm. That's a good suggestion. Like have a kind review board as the <laughs> yes. first step. Yeah. Yep. And then the other thing I think is, you know, we also tend to feel like we have whatever we put out there, it has to be 110% before mm -hmm. we get feedback, right? And yep. then that's the other thing. If it's at that point, we are really invested and married to it, right? So worst design thinking, let's get something out there that's maybe 50%. Mm -hmm. We're not that married maybe to it yet, right? So the critique maybe doesn't hurt as much and you're still mm -hmm. agile enough to then pivot to change it up. Right? And so this is where the flexibility comes in yep. and not getting too married to what you're doing yep. because you might see something and it just doesn't work and it's better to yep. find it out in that first kind of iteration mm -hmm. and you need to change a bunch to it and you have to be kind of open to doing that. Yeah. Awesome. So I, um, always close with a quote and let you react to it. Are you ready? Are you ready? No. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> no, we're testing yeah. your flexibility. Okay. Quote, life is all about growth and change. It's not static. It's not about some destination. It's not about answering the question once and for all, and then it's done. Unquote. Bill Burnett and Dave Evans. So yeah, so this came from um, Designing Your Life. And I think this is a really good point of why some of our models don't work anymore because we're trying to decide on things that we think are static and really human experience is not, work is not, the market's not. So trying to find something that's flexible and that you can make new decisions based on any changes, any new things that come up um, and finding out that information is part of the process, I think is a lot more impactful for people than trying to go through kind of the same steps every year and expect maybe something different to happen. So I think this idea that things are fluid and things are changing and that's just a part of life is really important for people to understand that this is not going to change. It's only going to get, you know, maybe crazier in the next years. Mm -hmm. um, and we have to be ready for that. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So let's get to some of the audience questions. So sure. Patrice, Patrice is asking, uh, and that refers back to the leader workshop and what you talked about. Mm -hmm. She said, did leaders of those employees who went to lunch think there was any poaching going on? Nope. Um, it was pretty, we were open about what we were trying to do um, and transparent. And it was really just kind of to check in with people. Um, so yeah, I had no um, issues with the managers. Most of the managers were on board also talking to other employees. So it kind of worked out. If you um, let your employee meet with another manager and then you met with their employee, it was kind of, you know, they were on equal playing fields. Mm-hmm. So hopefully if one didn't poach, <laughs> then the others wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, are there any other questions? I'm, I know Heinz had a lot of great 
reinforcing comments in the chat for you, Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I saw it popping up, but yeah. I haven't got a yeah, chance. He, uh, everything you pretty much said, he's like cheering you on. So I know <laughs> you have a lot of cheerleaders on the call, including your husband, which is super sweet. So, uh, But just wanted to give another option for any last questions. And you have to put them in the chat because you're all muted. So um, please put any additional questions in the chat. Uh, and while we wait for maybe another question, Jen, um, just question for you. Where, where are you going to go next with this? I'm curious about that. So I, I think we've started a few things from here, like the working out loud topic also um, is something that we picked up. So actually my colleague on the line, Christina, is helping run a few working out loud circles. Um, and this seemed to work in Germany. They like this approach. So she started one pretty immediately after we presented it. And then we're going to start a second one, maybe a global one now um, to get some more people involved. So I think that um, will continue to, to expand from there. Um, and then we'll do the workshops and we'll continue kind of adding in this different tools um, to give people some new ideas on how to look at their careers. Mm -hmm. So um, so yeah, I think we've only started in the US and um, I'm gonna be going to Germany for a year very soon, January. So I think I'm gonna try a few things in Germany and see how- I did not know that. Congratulations. Yeah, <laughs> on different project but I think I still use the opportunity to try a few things um, mm -hmm. to see firsthand how it works in Germany because it always um, is different in the as you bring these things to different regions sometimes it works sometimes you need to make a lot of changes so um, it'll be nice to kind of try it in a different different country and that's actually an interesting point uh, around how does this you know how do you need to flex bring it back to your flexibility these things globally? What have you observed? What resonates more maybe in a US context versus a German context? Or where do you see what resonates across? What is mm -hmm. maybe really a, a uniquely human thing that we have uncovered that resonates really across cultures? Yeah, so I think this is always something I'm discovering all the time. But, um, you know, the whole idea of employee development was something very common in the US, but didn't really resonate as well, maybe in Germany and some of the European countries, where it's those discussions like aren't very common that you talk about your career with your manager. Um, so I think employees want to know and want to talk about these things, but maybe the way um, it's approached is different. Um, and so that's why I've kind of put it in the employees courts a little bit, at least at mm -hmm. this stage, because I'm not giving a one size fits all like book this appointment, do this. Um, I kind of let it um, open to people to kind of use what will work best for them. Maybe it's not using your manager at all. <laughs> you know, maybe mm -hmm. it's interviewing and finding mentors and advocates all over the organization or outside of work. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what I need to, to look at, um, even running the workshop. You know, I've run workshops in Asia where no one talks at all about mm -hmm. development. It's so hard to get participation because mm -hmm. it's just not common um, to kind of talk about that in a group setting. Um, so I think, yeah, it, you really have to be there and see how things resonate and be flexible enough to like take in those cultural aspects too. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So we're at the end of our time. Thank you so much, Jennifer. 
good luck in Germany. Thanks everybody <laughs> thanks. for attending. Yeah, and, thanks everybody. Yeah, and hopefully I'll see you at a next Town Tales webinar. Bye bye. Sounds good. Bye.